it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. It's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan. That is Mike. How are you doing this afternoon, Mike? Uh, doing pretty good. Excited for this one. Uh, should be uh, all over the place, which is the best part of this uh, this podcast. Yes. Oh, we've been excited for this for a while. Uh, this was the idea of our very special guest, and, and he'll explain it a little bit more in a minute. Uh, our guest today is one of our all-time favorites, uh, the man who's been on our podcast more than anybody for reasons that only he could possibly understand, and he's not telling us. And even though he covers another team these days, uh, you know he wouldn't, he couldn't possibly stay away from the Islanders for that long, and it was only a matter of time before he rejoined us. He is Arthur Staple of The Athletic. Art, how are you? I'm great, Dan. When you when you told me the idea for this podcast, my mind started racing, mostly because my whole career covering the Islanders could basically just be titled <laughs> Weird, Weird Islanders. You oh, know? yes. It's uh, for sure. It, I think I think you guys have been fans, and I caught the tail end of the heyday of the of the that guy played for the Islanders. So uh, yeah, so yeah, so my mind's been racing, and I'm very excited to be here. Yes, oh, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of you know. I think I think the Milbury era is probably sort of the peak weird Islanders era, obviously because of him. But yeah, you you definitely saw more than your share fair share over the course of uh, 15 years, right, of covering the Islanders. How long was it? Something like that. It, yeah. I feel like it gets longer every time you mention it now that it's a little bit in the rear view, but yeah. uh, you never know. 
You never right. know. I could could be coming back around again at some point. Right. And and, and as with all Islander, everything Islanders, whatever it is, it definitely feels twice as long. So that, that's <laughs> um, so yeah. So this episode is is a little bit different. Uh, we're going to explain why in a second, and uh, we'll get, we gave it a cool title too. Um, and so, uh, it, if you will, Arthur Staple, our special guest, would you please reveal the special uh, category of tonight's episode of Weird Islanders? When you mentioned that it was kind of a, a, you focused on one Weird Islander per show, I feel like there's been so many, it's hard to cut down. So I tried to come up with an entire starting six. And so you guys are graciously calling it Staples starting six. <laughs> we might even throw in a few extra guys to yeah. round out. We could we could make multiple full lineups of yes. 20 skaters with this with this category. But definitely. Staple starting six, uh, graciously, as I said, you guys called it, and uh, I'm excited to to dive in and and talk about our memories of these six guys, and then maybe some others. Who yeah. knows? And and each one of these guys has played played less than 20 games as an Islander. So some guys it's single digits, a couple of guys are double digits, but generally these are guys that played less than 20 games. So we are talking about like the absolute highest possible difficulty level here. Uh, in the video game world, there's a series called Souls Games. There's Demon Souls, Dark Souls. They're known for being extremely difficult and n- needing tons and tons of trial and error and death before you get to you know progress in the game. This is sort of like Dark Souls, Weird Islanders edition. <laughs> that these guys are really some of some deep, deep, deep rabbit hole guys. Um, but they're all fairly recent because they're all guys that that you covered, and so uh, each one of them I think has a fun story attached to it. Um, let's take a page out of the book of Lou Lamorello and we're going to start in goal with a guy <laughs> who, uh, is somehow still in the NHL. I don't know how. <laughs> and, uh, but he started out as an Islander and, and played in one of the most memorable games, uh, of the last 20 odd years. So will you please reveal the first member of Staples starting six? Starting in goal for Staples starting six weird Islanders is Miko Koskinen, who, um, <laughs> Was in net is, a tri- is is the answer to a lot of Islander trivia questions. And I think <laughs> the two that come to mind right away to get kick it off is who was in net uh, on fight night 11 years ago against the Penguins. It was Miko Koskinen, one of his, I believe it was three starts in an Islander uniform. He appeared four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one is uh, of the goalies that the Islanders have drafted all time, uh, who is still playing in the NHL? And there's one that's playing for the Islanders in Ilya Sorokin. And Miko Koskinen is the other one. Yikes. I'm sure no one would ever get that. So, uh, so yeah. And and the fact that he was here, left, played in the KHL for a long, like a significant right. four or five years, and then mysteriously came back and was given this long-term deal by Edmonton, which is now wrapping up. Like, and he hasn't been like the Oilers have been disappointing, and he's but he's kind of been who he is. You know, he's. Mm. He's, uh, you know, he's he comes from that that amazing 2009 draft class that the Islanders had. Uh, almost all of whom are still playing in the NHL. Of the guys, that, I think Anders Nielsen, who retired this year, uh, of the guys of the six guys that that made it to the NHL for any length of time, he was the only one that's out. You know, they still have Anders Lee and Casey Zizekas. Calvin DeHaan is still playing. The guy we won't mention first overall still playing <laughs> and Miko Koskinen, whose NHL career is going to continue. I'm quite certain even after this, this big contract ends and he can finally be free of Edmonton. He's going to be, <laughs> he's going to be a backup somewhere. And dare yes. I say, even the Islanders might consider him to be his backup, which would, we'd have to come back for a part two. If oh my gosh. Sign him this off season. Yeah. That would be something. <laughs> yeah. That, that 2009 draft for the Island, not only did they, 
draft well and have those six guys kind of make an impact. But here's a list of everyone from that draft that has played for the Islanders, uh, and it's long. I was going to say, is this going to be longer than the hour that we're already? Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I'm, I don't know if I've ever seen a draft like a team have so many, you know, an impact players from right. one particular draft, whether they picked them or not. Tavares, Dehan, Palmieri, Letty, Koskinen, Richard Panic, uh, Robin Leonard, <laughs> Nilsson, Taylor Beck, Sezikis, JF Berube, Anton yeah. Klementiev. Of course, a, a one-game all-star, Anders Lee, and uh, I even threw Seth, Seth Helgeson on there, even though. Wow, no, he's not. But like that's it's insane <laughs> if you scroll through that draft, and like they're also also like tangential Islanders on like like Adam Pellick's brother was in that draft. Um, <laughs> there's some some Bridgeport guys who just like Helgeson yeah. who just like played for Bridgeport. Um, it's it's a, a whole. You can just keep scrolling. You're like, oh, that guy played for the Islanders. That guy played for the Islanders. And, that's and, funny. and it, I mean, if you think we look back at that draft. It might be the deepest th- mm. that we've seen in in, in years because, like, you look even in the seventh round, like Eric Halla's in there, um, Darcy Kemper, Mike, uh, Mike Hoffman's deep down there. So, like, there were even some like um, future form former future Islanders, some mm. guys that, that have been we linked to them in trades from, in articles written by by uh, Arthur Staple for the Athletic uh, <laughs> on there. So it's just it, that draft uh, is it's just I mean you a rabbit hole for. For everybody to to get into now that the season's over, I had forgotten that they took Koskinen in, in the second round that year, twenty first overall. That's thirty first. Yeah, it's, it's essentially a first round pick. Yeah, and uh, you know that the fact that they took him and then they took Nielsen in the third round um, to kind of restock. It's a very Garth Snow theme where mm. you know, oh, we need some defensemen, and we're gonna the whole draft is gonna be defensemen. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that one. Soon. Oh yeah, we have, a, we have a guy from that draft too in twenty twelve. But uh, but he definitely liked to take care of business all in one fell swoop. And the funny thing about Mike's list is, you know, you could say you could chalk it up to a lot of those guys were either drafted, traded for, signed by Garth Snow, and you can say, okay, well, he and his guys did his homework for 2009. They they hit it out of the park at the draft, so why not keep bringing in guys? But Paul Mary uh, and Helgeson, who's essentially a Chris Lamarillo edition uh, because he's never really been an NHLer. This is two different GMs that think that draft was amazing <laughs> and want to keep bringing guys in. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely stands out, and it's a pivotal it's a pivotal draft. Despite what ha- you know, with with Tavares, despite what happened a few years ago, it it uh, just just having their two captains and probably two going to end up being two of their longest serving captains right. in team history come from the same draft and bookended with the first rounder mm-hmm. and and the sixth rounder, which is probably. Probably, you know, the in the post, uh, you know, 70s Bill Torrey era, the Anders Lee pick has to stand out as the best pick the Islanders made sure. in the last 30 plus years. So, um, but with Koskinen, you know, it, I remember talking to to Garth uh, when I came up. He obviously, Koskinen already played for them uh, when I kind of took over the beat from Katie Strang at Newsday in 2011-12. Uh, I had been at some games and really they were, you know, as after the draft, they were definitely higher on Nielsen. He was more, well, he had come mm-hmm. over a little bit sooner. Koskinen was still sort of on the fence about, you know, <clears throat> if you're a goalie and the team that drafted you gives up tons of goals and stinks, uh, it's <laughs> not really the, the incentive to mm-hmm. come leave a pretty cushy gig uh, in Finland to come over is not really there. But, uh, and then he did and, you know, played in the 10, 11 season, which was terrible. And, the, really the highlight of it was that night. And I remember doing the big fight night 
oral history that I did a couple of years ago and Edmonton was in town and I went in to just sort of ask him like, Hey, do you remember that? Like that was the last time you played in this building. Cause I were still in the Coliseum <laughs> and he kind of in his very like sheepish way said, Oh yeah. Like I hadn't thought of that. He's like, I'm glad I didn't have to fight. And I was like, uh huh. <laughs> like, yeah. I think, I think he, I think he may have, he may have panicked a little bit when he saw uh, Michael Haley fighting with Brent Johnson at the other end of the <laughs> ice and thinking like, is this how it works here? I got to do this. Cause yeah. he's a big guy too. The video um, of that is amazing because just before that fight, like which happened in the third period, Howie Rose and Butch Goring, you know, in, after a whistle, were like, "Oh yeah, Miko Koskinen's here too." Oh yeah, Miko Koskinen's playing. <laughs> you know, he's almost an afterthought with everything that's gone on, and he's had twenty nine shots at him. He's given up two goals, and those were both power play goals, and he survived. Uh, and one strong power play, yeah, and one memorable save yeah. with his back to the play. Penguins operate on the power play. Kennedy's drive stop. Rebound Golikowski and Koskinen without even looking at the puck somehow stopped it. Golikowski's got all the time in the world. Watch this rebound come right out to him. Look at taking his time. And, yeah, I don't and know Koskinen, where it was. Oh, yeah, I know. And Koskinen, what a save. Watch him. He just stays with it. Gets that glove in a reverse position. And he's made like 29 <laughs> saves because of all the stories of that game. Like, he played pretty well. He gave up three goals. Two of them were on, all three of them were on extended power plays. One was like a five minute power play. One was a double minor. So it's like, you know, he was fine. He was fine in that game. But like of all the things that happened, nobody was talking about Miko Koskinen in that game. Nobody, period. No, no, <laughs> no. And and he, uh, you know, I think he kind of probably, if you'd asked him like, hey, what was your, what was your highlight as an Islander uh, hmm. from your brief time there? He'd say, well, I won this game. One of the <laughs> two wins that I had was this, this game. <laughs> like some other stuff happened, but you know, it was a good night for me. And uh, you know, the funny thing too about Nielsen, and I think it was his first start the next year hmm. uh, in 2011, 12 season was Sidney Crosby's return from right. a lo- extended oh, concussion absence. Right. And that was a five, nothing penguins win and it was kind of like hey kid like welcome to the nhl you're now gonna get there. yeah he scored that backhander on him i think on like hat I'm, I'm gonna say it was his first or second shift but it might not have yeah. been felt like it because it was inevitable right. that that was gonna happen that <laughs> <laughs> it did and then yeah you saw the you know that was kind of in the beginning of the hockey twitter gift clipping era and mm. uh yeah the, the, we saw that crosby backhander a hundred yeah. different times and that was also i think right after the penguins built that statue of mm. mario lemieux right, and right, richard right, yeah. pilon too so yeah uh, they were everyone was joking around about about that but uh just going uh back to that that fight night game with koskinen mm. i think like if you if you look back in the last 12 years like and, and i know you touched on this in that article like that ended up being one of the most important moments i think for that group of players and was really the end of them being or, or the beginning of the end of them being truly, truly terrible before turning it around. And um, I, I can't, I, I can remember so many Islander games, like moments in Islander games, but there's very few where I can go back and like picture <laughs> from the second the puck is dropped to the second right. the, the game is over, <laughs> like flat, like s- s- scene for scene. Um, and I was watching that game at a bar in Bridgeport, Connecticut called Tommy's. And uh w- the bartender who had his her back to to the game the whole time was like, "What are you guys watching? Why is everyone going so crazy?" And we're like, "This you need to just turn around and watch this." And yeah. the entire bar was just kind of stunned silence for right. an hour watching Michael Haley and Trevor Gilly skate around like 
I've, I've never seen anything like it. And, and you, and then the whole time I can remember Koskinen's kind of pose, which was him just kind of standing straight up rigid with his elbows back, leaning against the crossbar as, as all hell was breaking loose <laughs> around him. And yeah, like you said, luckily, you know, Eric, Eric Goddard or you know, Max Talbot didn't come mm. skating down after him, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually just, I'm happy and pleasantly surprised too, that he remembers that yeah. uh, he was there for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I imagine that his Islander memories are few and far between, and not a lot of positive ones. <laughs> um, but I am curious to see when you know when he's done. He's been such a lightning rod in Edmonton these four years, and really, it wasn't. You know, that was a that had not signing him to that contract had nothing to do with him. It was it was a, a huge overcommitment by the Oilers, one mm-hmm. of many that they've made about uh, you know for their try their supporting cast around their two superstars. Um, and he's played okay. And I think, you know, I happen to mention it. The team that I cover now has a guy in, in Igor Shesterkin, who was his goalie partner in for Scott in St. Petersburg in the KHL for four years. So I have to think that there's going to be some interest in the New York area. Mm. The Rangers are going to need a backup next year. who's pretty cheap. And I can't imagine Koskinen's going to break anybody's bank looking for another job. I mean, he may, may go back home to Finland. He may say, I've had enough of this place. Like my, my career yeah. started in the middle of, the world's longest brawl and now it's going to finish in a place where <laughs> where no goalie has succeeded in in right. 40 years so uh he may say he's had enough and he's going home but if he decides to stay um mm. i think the rangers will be interested in it and depending on what the islanders do you know not he didn't play with Ilya sorokin but uh but i imagine that being able to work well as a backup with a guy who's who's established as the number one. And that would be the only, you know, the Islanders move on from Semyon Varlamov. They're obviously saying Ilya Sorokin is going to be our 50 to 60 start guy going mm-hmm. forward. You've got a guy who's, who's been a number one and there's not that many guys in the league right now uh, finishing their contracts who have been 40 to 50 start guys mm-hmm. who will be perfectly willing to be 25, 30 start guys. He might be yeah. the only one. So I'm curious to see how the summer unfolds with both New York teams and whether he makes a triumphant return to the New York area and he can be part of the, this weird right. Islanders, the sequel. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, as a backup, he's not, he's not too bad. It's when he plays too many games that he seems to get into trouble. And I guess for his part, it it's, it's a really tough call. Like, would you rather be the goalie in a nine, three bloodbath, or would you rather have to look at Mark Spector and uh, Jim Matheson every day and answer <laughs> questions as to why you haven't shut out every team in the league? Uh, for the Edmonton Oilers and why you disrespect Connor McDavid in that way. But uh, <laughs> we we have to move on uh, to our next uh, member of Staples starting six. And now we're going to get into the the defense. And, and there are two guys here that I think are just kind of fascinating in their own way. So who would we say is the first member of Staples starting six on D? I just want to go strictly on uh, longevity with the Islanders and longevity in pro hockey. So uh, mm. I, I'm going to start with Kevin Churchman, who mm. uh, is probably the the most recent notable college free agent signing. You know, it, it, yeah. I, I picked him because um, these, the college free agent period, when there's which is basically for the fans that don't know, there's guys that are in the NCAA who are undrafted. It's, this is different than a guy who who renounces his rights, like a Kevin Hayes or a Jimmy BC gets drafted, doesn't want to go to the team he was drafted by, goes to college for four years and signs somewhere else. This is college, undrafted college guys who are usually 23, 24 years old, have been you know overlooked in the draft, but but mature well and have a, have a good you know 
college careers and then are quite coveted because it's kind of a dead period in the spring when the college season is over. And so they get talked about way more than their actual influence once they finally turn <laughs> pro. I, it's hard to even remember uh, a really good undrafted college free agent from this era of hype around them. And he was pretty hyped. At, he was at Lake Superior State, which is not uh, a really you know high high major program, but he was a good defenseman. He put up a lot of points in college. Uh, he was only 22 or 23, which is pretty young for one of those four-year college guys. Um, and the Islanders were very excited when they landed him, so excited that they put him right into the NHL lineup, as kind of happens with some of these guys in 2014. He played 13 games, uh, or maybe 12 games, and and those are the only games that he's played in the NHL. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he played two games with Pittsburgh. That was okay, the only so, other game, yeah. <laughs> okay, so he's got 15 total NHL yeah. games. And he is... One of the, he's a fantastic young man, but not mm-hmm. so young anymore. And he's carved out a very nice AHL career for himself. I think he's in the Wilds uh, yes. system now, and they have a very good AHL team. Uh, he spent a long time in the Penguins system, and they produce, you know, a lot of decent NHL, NHL talent out of their AHL team. Um, so he's had a good pro career, but if he wasn't so, the attention wasn't so high on him, um, I don't, you know, uh, it feels like a disappointment because it never really worked out with the Islanders, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but there was a lot of hype there for, for a very brief period of time. And then once he got in some games, I think the hype kind of yeah. dissipated fairly quickly. I remember that hype very well because like, I remember reading articles saying like, you know, he was one of the more coveted guys coming out and, you know, there was other teams looking at him, including blah, blah, blah. And the Islanders. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, you really never see the Islanders listed in these types of stories. And then when he chose to sign with them, it was like, what? Why? And then you realize, <laughs> oh, okay, Doug Waite went to Lake Superior State. He trained with uh, Tavares and Strom. At some point, he's from Ontario, but obviously he went to a school here in the States. And and you're like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to see the connection. And then obviously when they put him in a lineup, like you said, basically right after signing him, you're like, oh, okay, now I got it. And uh, I remember being very excited for it. And then, yeah, after watching those 13 games, could not remember a single shift uh, <laughs> at all that he played. And it was like, yeah, and then the next year he was just gone. And it was like, well, so much for that. <laughs> there it goes. But yeah, he was definitely kind of the victim of of a lot of hype back then, uh, uh, of which uh, I'm uh, kind of responsible in, in my own way because <laughs> I wrote a couple of articles about him at Lighthouse Hockey that I'll uh, link to in the story for this. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> what can I say? I got carried away. That, that, was, that was the only way the Islanders ever got involved with those free agents. Yeah. It seemed like because like especially back then when they had nothing going for them. Right. Uh was that hey, we're we'll put you right in. We'll put right. you right into the lineup. That's what I remember Jack Hillen, the reason he signed with them was because <laughs> they were they had two games left in the season. And like, we'll we'll play you in these last two games. And they did. And and Hillen is probably for the Islanders at least, uh mm. they're they're by far, which is saying something, because his career was was pretty unremarkable besides always getting in the face with pucks from Alex Ovechkin. He his like his he's gotta be the most successful one for the Islanders. Yeah. I can't even think of another one off besides those two. Yeah. Um it, it's a priority for for Lou Lamorello. He definitely you know I think they just announced they do it a little bit more low key where they, they make sure that those guys know that they're going to the AHL first and nobody's coming straight in. You know, the way that um the kid Ben Myers just did for for the Avs and and you know kid scored a goal so uh more power to him are the rangers signing uh this kid bobby trevino at a, at a umass who's did go straight to the ahl but 
Mason Jobst was was a yeah. not a coveted guy, and Ben Hutton, uh, Grant Hutton rather, who's gotten some games, was a was a college free agent signing. I think we've seen Grant Hutton might be on the Kevin Churchman plan. However, after seeing <laughs> him play a lot this year, yeah. uh, and also you know it's just harder for these guys. They start they jump in when they're twenty three. If you're not ready for the NHL, which I don't know how you could be after basically playing college hockey and kind of being ignored in the draft development area for your whole career. You jump right in at 23, and if you're not ready, and that that last bit of the, your your entry level deal that you burn uh, after your college career is over, whatever whether it's NHL games or AHL games, if you can't make your mark, that's it. You, your window's pretty short. I mean, Grant Hutton is going to be 27 this summer. Um, he's older than mm-hmm. most of the regular guys on the Islanders' defense. So <laughs> um, it's such an odd it's such an odd area of hockey that that you know the reality never ever yeah. not even no. close lives up to the hype and yeah. i feel like churchman was kind of the the focal point of that and and whether they chose to do it or whether it was because nobody else wanted to come i feel like that was in the garth snow era that was the one guy that they kind of went all out for and it just kind of went yeah. and then they were like yeah we're not we're not focused on this anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, oh, there's definitely um that i always get like the sort of ncaa free agent fomo you are missing out because it's like you see, right. you know, your Twitter feed is full of we signed this guy, we signed that guy. I'd never heard of these guys before. Like you said, probably won't ever hear from them again. But you know, it's like, where's my guys? Where, where are my team signing? And then they, they announced today like three dudes going to Bridgeport. And I'm like, I don't know who any of these guys are. So I guess it's just good. Sorry, the, the reality is never uh, quite. Yeah, uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if you think about them, their ceiling basically is will they end up on the show? <laughs> ouch jeez yeah that would uh well congratulations kevin churchman you were uh, <laughs> in our it. starting six all right nice. um so kevin churchman's partner on d in this particular lineup of weird islanders it, he's he might be my most fascinating islander of the last 25 years and if anybody ever out there was going to make a documentary about a particular hockey player this is the guy i would want to see and I, I hope we we can squeeze in every ounce of detail as much as we can about this guy. Uh, and I'm so excited. He could have been an episode under himself. But will you please reveal, Arthur Staple, our next member of Staple's starting six? The starting D partner for Kevin Churchman is, as you said, for a guy who played eight total games in an Islander uniform, mm-hmm. maybe one of the most important Islanders of the last right. decade. Uh, and it's number four overall pick in 2012, Griffin Reinhardt. Just uh, I mean, just, mind his, just his, his name, his name conjures such an incredible mix of right. disappointment followed. It's the, it's the Alonzo morning gif in hockey <laughs> in weird Islander form. Right. It really is. It really is just super high pick way higher than he should have been taken. Yeah. Incredibly disappointing start to his Islanders career. And then within a couple of years was the main reason that the Islanders of the late 2000 teens became what they were pretty much right. single-handedly. And, yeah. uh, that's a lot for one guy to, to handle. And also being a guy who's got two brothers, including one and Sam Reinhardt, who still, you know, a productive member in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think Griffin Reinhardt's pro career, at least until last year was continuing on in, in yeah. he was playing in China, uh, he in the KHL Ireland too, I believe right. he was in as well. Yeah. Right. And I, and I feel like, you know, you, you hate to hear people become kind of punchlines to things and, uh, for a little while, he was a he was a punchline of the Islanders being the ha ha, look at those Islanders, they're such idiots, mm. and then quickly turned to, oh my god, like 
Griffin yeah. Reinhardt turned the Islanders into the Islanders with right. that trade on the draft floor uh, a few years later that the Oilers inexplicably made to take him and give back the 16th and 33rd picks, which turned into, as everybody knows, Matthew Barzal and Anthony Beauvillier. So <laughs> I will say quickly, um, the 2012 draft, and he's also the subject of, of a much discussed uh, legend in Islanders land and the NHL that uh, the Islanders had that fourth overall pick in 2012, which is not a good draft. You, mm-hmm. Even a decade later, you can look back and say, yeah, that was pretty disappointing. It's the draft where the Islanders took all defensemen with all of their picks, including Adam Pellick in the third round. So it was a productive draft for the Islanders for sure. But uh, the legend goes that, that Garth Snow wanted to trade up to the second pick to take Ryan Murray. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets had that pick and uh, it came out of the Columbus side that Garth Snow offered all of his draft picks in the 2012 draft to move from four to two. Um, to hear Garth tell it a f- couple of years later, when we finally had a real conversation about it, uh, he said, you know, some people take things as a joke. And I think if you've ever heard Garth Snow be interviewed or talked to him, you know, he is a sarcastic person <laughs> from start to finish. So I, th- what I can gather is there was a conversation between him and I believe it was Scott Housen was the Blue Jackets GM at the time where Garth said, was offering different combinations of picks to move from four to two and was rebuffed every time. And then finally said, why don't I just give you all my picks? (laughs) And uh, there was some laughter and that was it. And that apparently in in the game of telephone that sometimes Uh, happens in our business became the Islanders offered all their picks to move up (laughs) two spots. Right. And which would have, if it had happened, would have been more laughing stock material. And it's Ryan Murray, who is still in the NHL somehow. All this for Ryan Murray. <laughs> That's the thing. Too. Should tell everybody the quality of the draft of that 2012 draft. But anyway, they took Griffin Reinhardt. He was a, a dud, and then mm. he was the the great. He was the 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 fertilizer that grew the Islanders yeah. into what they are. First round up now. The Edmonton Oilers scheduled to select 16th. Bring in Elliot Friedman on the draft floor. Uh, Darren, conversations uh, about Edmonton trading out of this pick, and it looks like they're going to do it. Not exactly sure what the entire deal is, but it sounds like the Islanders are trying to move up into the 16th spot to come here. Don't forget, the Islanders did not have a first-round pick. They traded it to Buffalo in the Thomas Vanek deal from last year, Um, but it looks like they're moving back in, waiting for confirmation, but it looks like the Islanders to 16, guys. We have a trade. Edmonton trades picks number 16 and 33 in the 2015 NHL draft to the New York Islanders in exchange for Griffin Reinhardt. That means the Islanders now have pick number 16 and New York Islanders, you're on the clock. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the Florida Panthers, Vinny Viola, Mr. Tory, and Dale Talon for the hospitality. I'm going to introduce Trent Klatt to make our selection. The New York Islanders are proud to select from the Seattle Thunderbirds, Matthew Barzal.
Matthew Barzell met with 25 teams at the combine and he had a, one of the most up and down seasons <laughs> not necessarily skill wise but just battling a, a fluky injury <laughs> well he almost wrecked his draft season by goofing around at a before a game and he cracked his kneecap missed 28 games really knocked himself down but I'll tell you a very effervescent guy with a lot of personality talked to his agent JP Barry he says I think this kid knows more about the draft and depth charts of other teams so he probably had it already figured he was going to become a New York Islander he, he probably figured they're going to want me behind John Tavares in a couple of years I choose I, I mean I think if you look at that that why old old like washwoman tale of of seven draft picks for the to move up like that it's which is which side is worse the guy who mm. offers it or the, the, the ones who turn it down yeah right uh, I, that's why i always thought it, it's funny that it's like always lampooned on the islanders but i mean if i can't believe if that uh, that people don't make fun of the blue jackets for maybe turning that down and um i remember reinhardt uh because when the islanders were playing I guess whatever it was the capital series that he drew in. Yes. One yeah. game um, in yeah. that series. Yeah. And I just remember like, cause yeah, they lost every defenseman uh, that they had on the roster basically oh. to Tom Wilson. Uh, and it was like him and Matt Donovan all of a sudden were, were their, their number two pair. Uh, and, and I remember he, there's, a, I think it was Evgeny Kuznetsov, but someone, a decent skater just dumped the puck behind Reinhardt in uh, the neutral zone. Um, and I, and, I just watched him turn around and, and go to skate for it. And I don't know if I've ever in my life, and, and I've watched a ton of Matt Martin play. I've watched, you know, Trevor Gillies, Eric Goddard, uh, Trent Hunter. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody skate as slow as I've seen as, <laughs> as Griffin Reinhardt. And you just think, oh, God, this is this is not good, uh, not just for the, the immediate term when, in, in the playoff series, but in the long term. And, yeah, that um, – then all of a sudden he he goes from being one of uh, you know on path to becoming one of the the worst islanders of all time mm-hmm. to yeah like you couldn't say it better most important yeah. maybe the most important islander um to to play for them in, in since i don't know 50, <laughs> since Tavares, i guess i guess we we'll go Tavares, yeah. then then reinhardt <laughs> right yeah basically like it's like you're it's, ranking it's, important islanders uh, yeah. well Tavares, you know pozo maybe franz nielsen but griffin reinhardt's gotta be i think there, I, right? I, I, like if if you if you look about roi you know mm. if you yeah. if you look at no, it you're right. cold you're right cold. they got nothing they got nothing for for 91 and they look at right. what they got for yeah. this guy so seriously and, um, and and also it was because didn't the oilers trade for him too because he played his junior up there and part of the reason that he was so hyped was his last year as a, in junior his draft year they were they were the the i believe they were memorial cup champions yes and uh and that apparently goes a long way or at least it used to maybe that was the last time it went a long way (laughs) so before we do these episodes we try and put together some research material videos articles and things like that and as fascinating as griffin reinhardt's impact on the islanders was i i am i urge everybody to research him from the oilers perspective on this because if you thought that kevin churchman came in with a lot of hype they made this guy sound like he was going to completely revamped the Oilers defense in a way that they had not seen since Chris Pronger had played for them, you know, years and years earlier. Like there was an, I found an article from Jonathan Willis who used to write for the athletic and, and to cover the, the Oilers forever from the year prior. So this, you know, they traded him in 2015 at the draft when they got Matthew Barzell, but in 2014, apparently there was a rumor going around started by Craig button that the Oilers were considering trading 
the third overall pick that year to the Islanders for Reinhardt, which would have potentially gotten the Islanders Leon Dreisaitl. So if, you think <laughs> if, getting, if getting Barzell for Reinhardt is obviously terrible because, you know, Barzell's an all-star and Reinhardt is not here. Imagine if they had done it for Leon Dreisaitl, the guy who has literally actually won the MVP. <laughs> like, this guy came in like he was Superman, or they talked about him incessantly. This guy's he's, he's the one that they need. The Oilers need some snarl on defense. They talked about this guy for probably two years before they finally made that trade. And the trade at the draft floor that got the Islanders eventually Barzell for Reinhardt is also fascinating because the look on Peter Chiarelli's face, he's the Oilers GM at the time, when Gary Bettman announces this trade, he looks as surprised as everybody else is. <laughs> and he's the guy who made the trade. And he looks at somebody next to him and he has this look on his face like, wait, what just happened? Like, dude, you just completely imploded your entire team and, uh, you know, cost them God only knows what. I mean, could you imagine the McDavid, Dreisaitl, Barzell all on the same team with uh, Nugent Hopkins all on the same team? Like, they would be at least a highlight real force. Um, but he ended up playing 29 games with the Oilers. It wasn't like he had some kind of, like, long career with them even after all that hype after 30 ga- not even 30 games they were like yeah we've seen enough of this guy and he was gone he, he went in the expansion draft to yeah. vegas <laughs> right right i never and, i never got close with them the, no but <laughs> no the, the 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 putting a bow on that 15 draft when they when they announced that trade and then the islanders immediately took barzal and then finagled their way back into the first round with that 33rd pick, <laughs> pick Beauvillier. when the when when garth snow was in charge when the draft first round was over i'd go up to their suite uh and talk to gm or he'd let me talk to some of their draft guys about about the player or players that they picked and i made my way up there and I, you know and i presume and i think it's been reported a little bit that you know the oilers were obviously feeling good about themselves they'd won the mcdavid lottery um they probably felt like we wanted to get a guy that's a little bit more ready to play than draft someone 16th little did they know uh, what the, what the Bruins were up to with 13, 14, and 15. <laughs> but I went up to the to the suite there and, you know, lots of people, Garth is there. Uh, and as I'm making my way over to him, I was grabbed by one of their head scouts, grabbed me by the shoulders and said, said, can you believe this? And I was like, <laughs> no, like, I was like, this guy must be good, right? He's like, he's like, someone's getting fired. And then he just, <laughs> this, just disappeared into the crowd. And that's amazing. Would later learn that like that, you know, that was kind of the feeling of like, we have to make this trade because this guy is never going to play for us Mm. as evidenced by the, that one playoff game, (laughs) whatever that was a couple months before said, and we have to get Barzal if the Bruins pass on him three times. So that was that a lot. Griffin Reinhardt is the focal point of the pivot point around a lot of sliding doors kind of yeah. happen <laughs> because of him. So he has to be on this team. That is so and, funny. And, and he's also got the um, the mark of approval from from me, which is something I love, which he's one of a bunch of Islanders who their Wikipedia page is him sitting at a table uh, at Adventureland. <laughs> <laughs> the mark of the true, the true yeah. weird Islanders mark seal of approval is the, the autograph signing at Adventureland. That's true. Wow. That's great. That's funny. They should link that to his um, hockey reference page because it's just <laughs> a pa- basic headshot of it. We could talk about Griffin Reinhardt in that draft all day, but uh, we need to move on now to uh, up front because we have a trio of fantastic forwards here for Staples starting six. So uh, let's go wingers first. And uh, so who's the first winger on this team uh, of under 20 games played weird Islanders? 
Well, I, I the the wings that I picked for this team uh, are were only Islanders in 2014-15, which is a good year for the Islanders. That right. was kind of the year that that you know I think if you start as time goes on further away and they don't if they don't continue to you know on a path where they're good but not great, that is the team I think people will look back and say that team was exceptional and it needed you know if they had managed to get past Washington even though half their defense like Mike <laughs> said was 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 out because of Tom Wilson. That group of forwards might be the best group of forwards the Islanders have had in a long time. And yet somehow the first choice and on left wing and the right wing on my <laughs> starting six, both were guys that were acquired either before the season and then at the trade deadline to play with John Tavares. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and the first guy uh, is very unlikely and it's Corey Connick. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people forget, and I tend to forget that this was out of training camp. He was their top line wing with Tavares. Um, <laughs> And a guy who, you know, and, and as his personal story is, is fascinating as a guy who very undersized, undrafted, was born with uh, a condition where his bladder was uh, was outside of his body and has had to treat it very carefully throughout the years uh, as a pro player, which he still is. He's playing mm. in Switzerland still. Um, and he had bounced around a lot. Tampa, Ottawa, Buffalo never really found a spot to be a permanent fixture. And the Islanders brought him in as they tended to do in the early 2010s, a, you know, a kind of a, a cheap flyer. And he's got some offensive skill. And and right from the start of training camp, I think the intention was, let's see what he can do playing with Tavares. And and I think it was Kyle Pozo on the other side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, he ended up with only, I think, a goal and two assists. So the experiment ended quickly <laughs> of his 15 games. And he ended up being sent down and didn't return. Um, but... Yeah, that was in a year that a lot of people will look back and say that was the year the Islanders finally became uh, a good operation with good good results on the ice, uh, good goaltending, a very complete team. It started with top line Corey Conacher, so he's got to be on the screen. <laughs> he he also I remember that signing being kind of lauded as mm. a as a yeah. as a as shrewd move. One of yeah, like you said, those the long line of. Snow's shrewd moves with you know PA Parento, uh, Molson, etc. Um, and I think it because he he like wasn't he traded for Ben Bishop or something at one so point in his rookie year he was traded from Tampa Bay to Ottawa for Ben Bishop and yeah. then a year later he was traded from Ottawa to Buffalo, <laughs> uh, which was how we got the very funny maybe the highlight of Corey Conacher's career was him sitting in the penalty box but somehow he ended up with John Scott's helmet. And so he put John Scott's <laughs> helmet on. He looked like uh, you know a little kid wearing his dad's uh, whatever work helmet. Uh, but yeah, so he, yeah, he bounced around a lot even before coming to the Islanders, and then afterwards too. So yeah, it was a, it was seen as a pretty shrewd move at the time. Yeah, and 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 like he had and Snow really had not struck out on on any of those. Mm. And because I remember being like, oh, this is this is gonna work. You know, this is this is Snow's wheelhouse of, mm. of finding it. And, and but for some reason, I never place him with that 2014. I mean. For some reason, there's a million reasons why I don't play him on that team. But 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 I never picture him there. Like I always picture him as like a 2010, 2012 Islander in, in the, on those teams where it was just yeah. you know b- bad things happening around Tavares. But yeah, like you said, that team was ridiculous and put themselves in a in a spot to to make a, a trade deadline acquisition. We'll, we'll talk about next that mm. that um, unlike his Shane Prince trade which was also considered mm. to be shrewd this one was so so random i did not see it coming 
Yeah. Um, yeah, Conacher, uh, he scored uh, a goal in one of his early games. Uh, he, he was, you know, kind of just there as Tavares threw the puck across the slot, and there was Corey Conacher. Conacher trying to move through center. Derby got a piece of him. Now Tavares chases down, seats Conacher, he scores! Islanders get it right back. Corey Conacher with his first goal as a New York Islander. It took all of 31 seconds for the Islanders to regain the lead. It is 2-1 New York. Well, this play is really set up because of the shot taken by Hudobin, I believe, by Kyle Oposo. And then John Tavares goes to work. Watch this as the Islanders come up the ice. Kyle is going to get the puck. Going to just fire towards that great play. But watch the work by John Tavares. He outmuscles Sakara and Conacher. He's going to the net. We talk about making sure you get yourself in position because you never know. It seemed maybe at the time that there might be some some chemistry there, but that that time kind of ended quickly. And uh, he was eventually waived. He cleared. He ultimately traded to the Canucks for a guy named Dustin Jeffrey who never played for the Islanders. And I had completely forgotten about that trade. That was a trade deadline move. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Good. And you? I've got Kerry Gwider and Garth Snow on the line. Okay. Uh, I'll give you the details. Vancouver trades player Dustin Jeffrey to the New York Islanders in exchange for player Corey Conacher. Conacher will be reassigned from Bridgeport to uh, Utica. Is this trade condition on these players passing a physical? Our player, our player is healthy. Our player is healthy as well. Anything else, gentlemen? Nope, not on our end. Nope, not from us. Okay, congratulations. Okay, great. Thank you very much. He's had a long career. Like you said, he's playing in Europe now, but I mean, he went back to Tampa Bay. Uh, he wasn't on either of the two Lightning Cup winners, but you know, he, he turned himself into a, a pretty okay depth forward, but. You know, the, the combination of getting traded for a starting goalie, it, it, you know, number one, that's problem number one. And then he got traded again as a sophomore, which is pretty rare these days. And then he signs with a free agent, you know, to play on the Islanders' top line. It just kind of created this, uh, I guess, a lot of fog and, and weirdness around him until everything kind of eventually straightened out. But I guess the Lightning have that have a tendency to do that, kind of <laughs> find a guy, pull a guy off the scrap heap and make him into a – useful player. In this case, it was their own scrap heap. Like they're the ones who put him on the scrap heap, but then they brought him back and they made him a good player again. So he's kind of an interesting, an interesting player in that case. The the light the lightning find undersized forwards and yes. turn them into Stanley Cup champions or Calder Cup champions in the AHL, which which Conacher is the I was gonna say yeah. find guys on the scrap heap and they have maybe like two good months and they're like, Yeah, okay, I think we're done here. So <laughs> yeah, that's the difference that- between team going for their third straight Stanley Cup and a team that's still, you know, trying to find their way with consistency. So So the guy, though, that so Mm. the reason I remember I found out that Conacher was traded at the deadline that year to the Canucks was because the Islanders made another move at the deadline that year to bring in the other winger on your starting six. So let's get to him. Who was the next member of of the starting six here? Uh, well, he's the most prolific Islander scorer of this group, so <laughs> we should definitely, you know, give some honor to him. And it's Tyler Kennedy, and he's basically acquired for nothing. Yeah. It was it was essentially it was a seventh round pick, which mm-hmm. I think was only uh, if he played. You know, it was kind of that like if he plays half of the playoff games, uh, which I think he may not have. He only played three of the seven mm-hmm. that that first round. So, not sure if the Islanders ended up sending that seventh round pick along. <laughs> 
or if there was a conditional pick that was going to be added in to make it a real trade. But essentially it was for nothing uh, that they got Tyler Kennedy. And again, much like starting the season with Corey Conacher, Tyler Kennedy came in and his first game was in Toronto. Yep. Um, which, uh, you know, he's an Ontario guy. And who was he playing on a line with? John Tavares that night. <laughs> As the top line comes back in a strong looking rush. Here's Tavares on his backhand, drops it off, Rishon scores! The Islanders get on the board, and it's Tyler Kennedy bearing one past Bernier to make it 2-1. Kennedy played very well in the playoffs a couple of years against the Islanders. Going. Funny how that works sometimes, and here's the puck recovery here. As Tavares just wait for that puck behind the net, he protects it so well. Comes across, look at the strength of the edges, and then just throws it over, and what a shot. And I think he had a consistent run with, with Tavares through the end of that regular season. Uh, he did have two goals and three assists in his 13 Islander games, and then was kind of like shunted to the side in the playoffs. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, a, a guy who um, was on the, tw- the 2009 Penguin Stanley Cup team was a, kind of a you know, a homegrown Penguins, uh, you know, depth guy who scored, could score pretty well for six or seven years and then bounced around a little bit. The Islanders got him from San Jose, uh, mm-hmm. where I don't think he was playing well or kind of particularly in the mix. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he was another, another Islander that they brought in this, you know, even, even in the good times, <laughs> they still couldn't find two guys to be on Tavares's <laughs> wings, which is really, uh, it's an amazing thing to look back on and think about that. Like, you know, the Islanders again, fourteen, fifteen. Uh, you know, Tavares was was uh, a point away from winning the Art Ross uh, on the last day of the season. Got lots of Hart uh, Trophy votes. Was was carrying that team a lot of the way. Was really proving his worth after all the years of kind of stops and starts. And they still at that deadline were like, yeah, we still need a guy to play with him. It's amazing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's it's. Uh, once again, blowing my mind that this team, who before Trots was their best team talent-wise for twenty-something years, right. um, and you look at the the bottom of that roster, which features Kennedy, Conacher, Reinhardt, and then <laughs> you know guys like Harry Zollner, Chuck. Like these, these are obvi- like obviously every team like has to call guys up, and they'll the roster size will hit thirty uh, by the end of the season. But uh, these the Islanders ones are are guys who like have bounced around like. Chad Johnson was on that team for, and Michael Neuwerth. Michael, like, Michael Neuwerth was the other yeah, like, deadline yep. acquisition. Yeah, like, right. this, yep. is, this, is, this is a team, Kale Molarat. Like, this is a team of both a, a ton of talent and, and then uh, just a scrap heap at the bottom um, that <laughs> it's, it's I, I mean, you could take the bottom of the hockey reference roster chart, which, which, the 21st player where, where it kind of splits into the good players and then to the bad players starts with Brian straight, which is appropriate. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it reads like it would be a team from 2011, 12. And then you remember that this team truly could have, I think they would have played the Rangers the next round. And, and there's no way that the Rangers would have wanted to play um, the Islanders. Cause they were the kind of no, nothing to lose bunch. Uh, mm. Whereas all the pressure would have been on the Rangers. Uh, and it was also brutal to have to go back from, Go go from that that brutal series against the Capitals, and then two days later have to turn around and root for them, which is you know another thing. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, 
couple of funny, fascinating things about Tyler Kennedy. One, uh, he played for the Penguins uh, in the game we started talking about in the beginning of this episode, the fight night game. And it had a couple <laughs> of memorable scraps with people um, in that game. And I, I believe he scored a goal, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, uh, he played – so he played 372 games with Pittsburgh. So he was with the Penguins for a long time. He had a 21-goal season. Like, that's pretty remarkable for a depth player. And the Penguins weren't – I mean, they obviously won the Cup in 2009. That might have been – I guess that was that year maybe. But, you know, they, they had some lean years there. But he was pretty good for them. And I had completely forgotten – after he left the Islanders, I completely wiped my mind of Tyler Kennedy. I had no idea where he went. I had no idea what happened to him. He played 50 games with the Devils the year after he was an Islander. <laughs> I had completely erased this from my memory. I had no recollection of this. Three goals and 13 assists. It wasn't like a, a – you know, he had a great season. But, like – I was like, I have what? Where was I? I have no memory of that whatsoever. <laughs> but I remember them getting him, and uh, that was again kind of you know kind of like a moderately sized deal. I, I remember thinking, well, obviously he's not like a star or anything, but you know this is the kind of depth move that that a, a, a cup champion might make, you know, to shore up the the bottom of the lineup just in case of, of injuries. And he had two goals in the first three games he played for the Islanders, and it seemed like a great move. And then yeah, he didn't he didn't really factor into that that playoff series at all. So, uh, but Michael Neuvirth was, I remember too, but like you said, was acquired the same day. So big day in Islanders history that absolutely <laughs> few people remember these days. <laughs> the, the funny that the, the wrap up for me is that um, in my, all my years covering the Islanders, you get little, you know, they would, if they had giveaways at the games, they'd give you stuff. So hmm. my son who admittedly was never converted to being an Islander fan <laughs> through all, despite all of the efforts and there'd be occasions when I'd have to bring him with me to practice uh, and one day at the end of that season, so my son would have been, uh, I guess, nine years old. Um, I, you know, bring him to the Coliseum and he'd kind of run wild in the stands or whatever uh, for an hour. And then I'd go in the locker room, do my work. He, he knew the drill. <laughs> uh, and one of his things that he loved to do uh, on the rare occasion that I brought him to the game was to open the door for the guys coming on and off the ice, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, something that little kids yeah. love to do. And, um, I came out of the locker room from talking to whoever and I see him holding a stick, like a guy's stick. And I was like, grabbed it out of his hands. And I was like, no, we don't do that. He's like, but he gave it to me. And it turns out Tyler Kennedy just handed him a stick at the end of practice. And my son was over the moon for it. And I went up to Tyler Kennedy and was like, look, that's my kid. You don't have to do it. He's like, no, no, no. Like, let him keep it. Like he's, he seemed pretty excited, <laughs> which he was. So now all these years later, the one NHL game used <laughs> stick that's sitting in my garage belonged to Tyler Kennedy. That's amazing. So, Perfect. So, that, so yeah. that trade, that trade will resonate in this house for a long, long time. That's amazing. <laughs> that's an amazing of all the guys you covered. The guy yep. who was with them for 13 games. <laughs> he's his stick is in your garage. Well, there you go. Uh, and I'm sure he's, he's as excited about it as you are. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> Our last forward, uh, maybe, maybe not, we'll see. Uh, but the the last starter on Staples starting six is at center. And this is a guy who is the most recent addition to the Weird Islanders pantheon and may at some point go down as the weirdest Islander or certainly one of the weirdest Islanders ever. Because I think when people look back, they're going to be like, damn, that was crazy that they had this guy on their list. And so will you please reveal the starting center for Staples starting six. Uh, like you said, probably of the Lou Lamorello era, that he is so far and away the leader in the clubhouse as the weirdest <laughs> islander. Uh, it's Travis Zajac. And the fact that 
he was here and he was a memorable, you know, his one playoff goal hmm. was a memorable one. It was an important one. The first goal uh, in the clinching game six against the Bruins. Islanders win the draw. Paggio, a point of game player in the playoffs, moves it back for Dobson. His shot headed down by Raz. They He was a guy who didn't have a ton of a uh, ton of impact, and again, much like uh, much like Tyler Kennedy and Corey Conacher, I think that was kind of the theme I must have been thinking of. <laughs> Lou Lamarillo got you know the trade at the deadline last year was essentially for Kyle Palmieri. It was a first round pick and a fourth round pick. Mason Jobs, whom we managed to mention earlier, and another <laughs> throw in AHLer. Um, and then Travis Zajac agreed to waive his no trade clause and essentially finish his NHL career in an Islander uniform after a thousand games with the Devils. Mm-hmm. Um, he came over, and who was he playing with in his first couple games as an Islander? But Matthew Barzell, because they needed somebody <laughs> to fill in for Anders Lee. Right. Uh, the, at least the old, I mean, at least Lou had an excuse because they were missing Anders Lee and they needed somebody to play there. And Kyle Palmieri didn't seem to be a fit after a couple of games. But um, so that Garcino didn't have that excuse in 2015 with <laughs> trying to find guys to play with Tavares. But but Zajac is he is the quintessential devil. You know, I to me, like I understand Patrick Eliash is kind of like the all time devil. But if you're a guy who paid, you know, paid close attention, Zach Parise was it, and then he left. Andy Green maybe, but he left, you know, in a trade the year before, and really has continued on with his Islanders career. Uh, Travis Ajak is was already back wearing Devils clothes probably the second that the playoffs ended <laughs> yeah. last year. Like he probably burned all of his Islanders gear and was like, let's <laughs> let's forget this ever happened because we yeah. didn't win a Stanley Cup. I'm going to go back. He signed a one day contract, yep. retired as a Devil. He works for the Devils. Every time I read uh, my friend Amanda Stein, who works for the Devils, she tweets like first person on the ice at practice, Travis Ajak, who's just there to help out this season. That's amazing. I didn't know that. So he's like their Radic Martinek then, basically. Uh, I think he's got a more official title than that, than, <laughs> than just guy who comes back to hang out and skate, right. skate with us. I think he's actually like a development coach of some uh-huh. kind. But he is, he is Mr. Devil, and I think – in the future, if anyone asks him, I don't think he's going to go to the Hall of Fame or anything. But when the Devils retire his his number, which I'm sure is going to happen soon, if it hasn't already happened, if someone just sort of accidentally mentions like, "How about that time you played for the Islanders?" They'll probably he'll like shoot lasers out of his eyes, <laughs> Men in Black style, to make everybody forget that he was an Islander for 13 regular season games and then 14 playoff games. That's funny. Well, so I mean, I I remember I feel like at the time that there had been. An attempt possibly to acquire him the year before. Is that right? Like, and they just, he, because he would have had to wave, he had a no movement clause or something like that, and it just didn't happen. And obviously, like you said, he was getting ready to basically retire. So why not play 14 games as an Islander? But is that true that there was like a, a movement earlier, a year earlier to, to acquire him for that year's playoff run? I think there was there was talk of the the Andy Green trade being a package deal. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Just because they, you know, they did end up getting Jean Gabriel Pajot, which, right. Imagine if they had created for Travis Zajac no. with a year left on his deal and said, like, eh, we don't need that patch. <laughs> that would have altered some things yeah. in a pretty big way. But um, 
but yeah, you know, and, and just, just the kind of guy that Zajac is like incredibly soft-spoken and, you know, kind of, you know, he was, he was a high draft pick, but, but it was really just kind of did a little bit of everything for the devils over the course of his, however many years, you know, 13, 14 years there or whatever it was, um, you know, went to the finals with them in 2012, went through all of the, the awful years, never said boo about moving on or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's remarkable that, that it happened, uh, that he actually played a role since he was just kind of essentially a throw in and Paul Mary, who's now, you know, right. signed, signed with the Islanders. That was clearly the end of his devil's time. This was, a just totally like, you know, telling the devils, I'm sure <laughs> just save all my stuff. Cause I'm be back. <laughs> I'll be back. And we'll see how this goes. That's he, the, the I'll never forget that goal. <clears throat> yes. Obviously, mm, but and right in front of the net, um, you know, really nice finish too, uh, and a big, big celebration from Zajac, which I was surprised by because, like you said, it, it seemed like that soft spokenness was his reputation. Um, you know, even on the ice, you're just like, oh, there's you know, there's a scrum over here, and Travis Zajac is kind of over there, but. Um, I'll never forget this. My favorite set Travis Zajac highlight as an Islander was not anything he did on the ice, but it was right before game seven, you know, the, the against the lightning, the Islanders had those, their press conferences during the playoff run became must watch TV for, for me and, and my friends and everyone on, and who was watching the, that run because they were just so stoic as a group throughout the whole thing. And it was, it was mesmerizing and you were learning like all these life lessons from not just trots, but like, you know, Josh Bailey being like, yeah, I made a mistake and, but it's not a big deal. We will gain threes <laughs> tomorrow, whatever. And, and you, you really started to, to kind of develop this, this ethos that they had. And I remember that right before game seven, they like go down to Tampa after that crazy win at the Coliseum. And the most Lou Lamarillo thing, the most Barry Trotz thing was, okay, like who are we going to send out for the pre-game <laughs> press conference? And it was Andy Green and it was Travis Zajac. And it, it couldn't have for, for before game seven to go to the Stanley cup uh, for the first time in 40 something years, uh, there are Andy Green and Travis Ajak kind of summing <laughs> up this journey that the, that the team and this fan base has been on in their polos <laughs> in Tampa Bay mm. in their gray green is especially his beard is just gray salt mm. and pepper. And uh, the, the press conference was great because they said exactly what they've been drilled to say by Lou Lamarillo, which is absolutely nothing for the past 15 years. And, and I can already think about, I can picture in my head that conversation on the plane down to Tampa. Hey, uh, you know, Kimber and, and Barry, uh, here's who's going to talk to the media. It's it's the two guys in the back who are, who are FaceTiming with their kids. Right. Yeah. It's not Barzell, not (laughs) Beauvillier who scored the goal to get us here in the first place. Not even Bailey. Like it's, it's these two guys. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they're not going to say anything to tip, tip, to tip our hand because they're, (laughs) they've been drilled. And that's even, you know, the fact that it all, that Zajax Islander time was all during the zoom era that nobody, none of our, none of the people that cover them met him face to face. I mean, I, I know, Andrew Gross, uh, my colleague at Newsday, certainly knew him from covering the Devils. But, but it's it's almost like it's like it's like a found footage right. horror film. Like you just it's like you, somebody's going to f- discover this videotape, <laughs> and that will be the only evidence that <laughs> Travis. Like, nobody nobody saw right. him at Blue Line Deli. Nobody saw him <laughs> anywhere near the Coliseum. He, right. Nobody knows what his car looks like. Nobody took a picture with him. Nobody has an inner like a story of like talking to him in the locker room. Right. Um, getting to know him a little bit. There's nothing. The evidence that he was an Islander 
will dissipate very soon. <laughs> it's, it's so got to be. So we're going to immortalize him here in this starting six. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's almost like it never happened, which uh, is probably exactly the way Travis Ajak wants it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, so that is that is Staples starting six: Miko Koskinen, Kevin Churchman, Griffin Reinhardt, Corey Conacher, Tyler Kennedy, Travis Ajak. But because this is hockey, and because we have a few minutes left, uh, we gotta have a bench, and we gotta have at least you know one one guy there to, to come on. And uh, because again, it's hockey, how about we add a little bit of muscle? This is actually a, a very undersized lineup. Miko Koskinen, I think, is the biggest guy in this entire lineup. Uh, with Reinhardt next. So if, if we have one more guy to throw in there, uh, and it's a guy you you interviewed for a pretty classic piece at the Athletic, and so let's get our last final honorary member of this group uh, on, on board here, who would be our final bench guy for this uh, starting lineup? There's a lot of guys in this category of enforcer who did a nice job for us in the minors. So let's call them up and give them a couple of meaningless games at the end of the year, because God only knows the Islanders have had plenty of meaningless games at the end of 20 <laughs> seasons in the, in all of our lifetimes. Um, but this guy, Justin Johnson, I think stands out because he's the man who took down John Scott. His YouTube video of him one punching John Scott uh, in a, in his last the last game of the regular season in Buffalo is uh, is pretty legendary. And the end of that 2013-14 season. Now there you see him. That's just that's in the warm up. So they're talking to one another, and I guess they're setting the match up and saying, "Hey, first shift, let's you and I get at it." And they did get at it. And Scott got in a couple of early ones, but then Justin Johnson, boy, a couple of real solid. Punches a lefty, I guess. Maybe Scott didn't know that uh, he was a lefty because he certainly took one on the the melon area. And the Islanders continue to dominate in fights. Do you think when they were talking there that Justin said, Mr. Scott? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Justin Johnson, he's so polite. Of course, he is to you and I anyway, Jason. I don't know if he said Mr. Scott, but what he did say is that uh, I'm about to give you a couple of good wallets, John. <laughs> Brett Gallant was another guy who fought his way through a, a season in Bridgeport and was rewarded with a call-up. And he also, I think, had a, had a fight that he won in one of those last games. But Justin Johnson is such a is such a quintessential Islander, a guy who, you know, uh, I think he was 32 or 33 at the time. He'd been in the AHL. He'd been in the East Coast League. He'd been all around. Um uh, a mixed race guy from Anchorage, Alaska, who kind of fought his way, you know, not the biggest guy. He's about 5'9 or 5'10. Um, he trained, you know, he did a lot of MMA training to kind of keep himself, uh, in the game. Uh, and just a guy who anybody was team who was teammates with him, loved him. Just a, a real salt of the earth guy. And when I, I remember that game in Buffalo, when he, when he punched John Scott, the, the, the feeling in the room. And back then I was the only person really covering the Islanders and especially at the end of a season like that. And I went in that visitor's room in Buffalo and he was sitting there with the biggest grin on his face <laughs> saying, you know, and he stood up and he shook my hand and called me Mr. Staple. And like, you know, I'm a few years older than him. Not that much. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, right. uh, you know, and just, just gave the funniest interview and guys were walking by and shouting his name and um, just <clears throat> that kind of stuff that feels a little, you know, like a little hokey and corny and doesn't usually happen a whole lot at the pro level always stood out to me. So mm. many years later when the pandemic hit and I was kind of rifling through my, my list of contacts saying like, how am I going to fill the space on our site <laughs> with no games for months and months? I said, let me call Justin Johnson, who I had just mm. seen at, at one of the alumni weekends and taught and caught up with a little bit. And I think 
the article came out and it got a great response. And I talked to some, you know, people like Jack Capuano, who coached him, and Thomas Hickey, who played with him uh, in the King system as well. Um, and the only text that I got after it came out was from Garth Snow. And in, if you can read it, Rose reading it in Garth's ridiculous, gravelly New England accent, and it just said, you left out the best part. <laughs> and the part of that, Justin Johnson's great adventure in the NHL for one weekend, where he played a game in New Jersey and then played in Buffalo, um, was that when they got to Buffalo, they stayed at some you know downtown hotel. And there happened to be uh, this woman, I think she's a pretty well-known porn star named Lisa Ann. Mm-hmm. And I think she had some, she was involved in the sports space somehow. Michael Delzato. That was the one she was, yeah. So there's a picture that still exists somewhere on somebody's Instagram account of a bunch of the Islander guys outside that hotel, including Justin Johnson, taking a picture with her. It must be on her Instagram page. Mm. And apparently uh, there was some going out involved. And luckily for all of the other guys (laughs) who are all kind of young and and probably, uh, you know, for their wives and girlfriends, Justin Johnson was the only single guy of the group. (laughs) And apparently he and Lisa Ann had a had a great night before he had his big night wow. against John Scott. So um, How about that, that? Was, that, that was that was the part of the story for our, our family site at The Athletic that I did not include. <laughs> but it was it was uh, I think the way that and, and I did talk to Justin about it. And I believe he said, you know, the way he put it was like, well, I'm not going to get into that. But it was a pretty remarkable weekend. Sounds so. like a pretty epic weekend. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and yeah, the, the video of him fighting John Scott, A, the height difference is completely comically hilarious. And B, after he tags Scott right in, in the kisser, Scott just like shakes his head and he's like, whoa, okay, hey, good for you, man. And it very famously later on, Scott retired. He wrote an article about at the uh, the Players' Tribune and he was like, the one fight I lost, Justin Johnson. So congratulations to you. So that is the perfect way to wrap this up, this legendary collection of very weird <laughs> Islanders. Uh, this has been, as as advertised, as much fun. And, and Mike and I have been really looking forward to this for a while. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and ask uh, what's on tap for your Rangers coverage because uh, nobody's, <laughs> nobody listening to this is going to read it, to be perfectly blunt. But, uh, I mean, uh, I guess my just one quick question is just like uh, – What's it been like to transition from one to the other? You can't possibly be having as much fun covering that other team as you had covering the Islanders for so long. Because uh, I, I imagine covering the Islanders is a very unique kind of uh, life that very few people have managed to survive. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's lots lots of kind of crazy juggling that you don't have to do with other teams. But that that's part of the fun, right? I don't think you have that kind of stuff going on these days anymore with a more no, established no, club. It's uh, it's a very it, it's the Rangers. It's a very yeah. corporate environment, and the yeah. Islanders are, have become that way. But once once you get to know everybody, uh, you know, and seeing them when the Islanders come into the Garden a couple of times since then, seeing the people that I've known for a long time and that still work for the Islanders, or hearing from some fans either via DM or via email that I've communicated with over the years, um, you know, and obviously people that I've become good friends with that I wouldn't have otherwise. <laughs> not through the Islanders. That's that, that may happen with the Rangers. I'm sure there's definitely some, some hardcore fans who are, who are uh, frequent commenters or frequent uh, mm. emailers. And I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but there is, you know, there's just a lot of, 
places to get your Rangers news and, uh, and, you know, first at Newsday and even then with the athletic, there just isn't with the Islanders. And there's a, there's a connection there that it's hard to go away. You know, it's fun. It's, it's sad to think about. Um, but I've talked about it a lot since Mike Bossy passed away this week. Um, people don't really know, you know, obviously the hockey world mourning him. He was one of the greatest players who ever played. But I remember Mike as the VP of business development with Charles Wong owning the team. Like he was a guy who had a job with the Islanders. He also happened to be in the Hall of Fame and was probably the greatest goal scorer who ever lived. But he's just, a, you know, I'd stumble into the Islanders offices in 2012 or 2013, either going to talk to Garth or going to talk to the PR people or whoever. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's Mike. You know, Hi, Mike. How you doing? Oh, I'm going out to a meeting. What's going on? Like, you know, and it's just. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure that there's other teams you could get that with, but, mm. but I'm reminded of it so much that there's, it's maybe of the U S based teams. There's no, there's no team with the sort of history that the Islanders have with those kinds of guys. And also with their just infinite well of kind of plucky underdog attitude, do it yourself with a bare bones crew. And, you know, these guys that we've listed off and talked about here, we're all kind of, you know, other than maybe a Griffin Reinhardt, we're kind of like cheap additions and maybe we can cut some corners and we'll get right. lucky with some of these guys. And that's just, it's just the way it is. And, and it's changed now. And that's good because the team has a great new building and a great coach and a legendary GM and really good players and a pretty decent track record the last couple of years, despite this season. Um, so it's, it's nice to be in a different echelon now than it was, but it's fun to think about how it used to be because you don't, you don't get that connection with whether it's the people within the team or outside the team that you had then. And I, and I, you know, my teary eyed nostalgia, I, now that I'm not there every day <laughs> that I hope people will, will remember it. This team is probably, you know, they could win a Stanley cup in the next couple of years and, and go to a whole new level with mm -hmm. their brand new building and all that stuff. But it wasn't that long ago when Tyler Kennedy for a seventh round pick was like, yeah, that's our first line right wing. And, <laughs> and you have to, it's great to be able to laugh about it now, right. because, but even then it was hysterical and I, and right. I, and I'll miss it for sure. And, uh, and you'll get to see that beautiful new building uh, this week when the uh, Islanders and Rangers finish up their season series. Uh, Arthur Staple, this has been fantastic as always. Thank you for coming on again. We knew you couldn't stay away for too long. Uh, <laughs> and so this was the perfect venue for this. And, uh, and this is great. And I get, I, I'm I 100% believe that you could probably put together another starting six of other guys who have played, you know, less than five games for the Islanders or something like that. But uh, this, this has been great. And so uh, hopefully we will get John again uh, at some point later on. You can obviously read all of Art's work at the athletic, um, whether it's for the Beth Rangers or anybody else. And uh, Mike, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The big Lee basket with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Uh, this is going to be a ton of fun, and we're going to spend the rest of the afternoon on watching all of these videos, and we hope you do too. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll be back uh, in a couple weeks with another episode of Weird Islanders Podcast. Until then, keep the Islanders weird. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.